Liam Ochoa. I have a question for you today, and that question is very simply, what was something that you consider a win in your classroom that has happened in the last time we spoke. So this this last week, what was a what was a win, big or small? What was something that went well during this last week that you could share with us? What went well this last week? Can I have two weeks? Sure. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's it's all good. Uh, one of the things that uh, I feel like's gone well is we've been working on that piece. I think that's that lesson that I had. We had talked about, and so the students have chosen. So one of the things that really went well is we did a sharing strategy with my students, and uh, it was just neat to to listen to them, talk to each other, and give feedback to each other. And they read their stories. They're not stories. They read their essays to each other. And then they would comment, like one comment that came to mind. I didn't know that that was like that. You know, so it was really cool to to listen to the kids learn from each other and get interested in each other's topics based on that. And I would just write up the topics. And so some of the topics that we have, I told y'all last time it was real estate. But we've got TikTok and how it's not a good thing. <laughs> so then the kids, he's gotten a lot of rat. He's gotten a lot of stuff for that. And then somebody else chose uh, social media and the history of it. But anyway, it was just kind of neat to listen to him. Somebody chose painting. Somebody else chose uh, karate and all that kind of stuff. So uh, another kid chose fishing. So they just chose whatever they wanted. And they're really going into detail with that but just walking around and, and having all the kids listening to each other and giving that feedback to each other was really neat and so that to me that was a big win I mean that's one of my favorite times is when they do that and when it's successful uh, and most of the time that is successful because they are interested in each other's uh, ideas and with that welcome to the Crafted Draft Podcast with Pam Ocho and Jacob Chastain today we're talking all about motivation And this is an interesting time. You know, it's winter. Things are getting a little colder. Maybe not here in Texas so much, but around the world, (laughs) you know, things are getting a little bit colder. Kids are starting to kind of chill out. You know, there's kids get sick and COVID. So kids are going in and out. We have all kinds of things going on. So the workshop motivation might be dwindling. You know, the the honeymoon phase, as they call it, might be... uh, coming to a close in your classroom, or maybe it's been closed for a few weeks at this point, and you're wondering how to get things back. So we're going to talk all about that because we're definitely feeling some of that, and we've had some success at bringing that excitement back. So all of that and more on this episode of Craft and Draft. Ochoa, how, how, let's just jump into it. How's motivation right now in your workshop? Are you get on a scale of one to 10, 10 being every student is rocking and rolling with motivation, one being not a single ounce of student motivation exists in your classroom <laughs> where where are they at oh I, it just depends on the class because each class has its personality i've got one that they're motivated in the sense that they uh i think they're enjoying the class they just don't like doing all the work but they like talking about the work and they I mean, so when they brainstorm, they get involved, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this is going great. And then they start turning in, or they don't turn in the work, and I'm like, oh, I thought this was going great. So it was a misread. And so I would say in there, that's probably about a six, maybe a five, because it just depends. And then I've got one class where it's it's probably an eight. And really, it's almost a nine. I mean, they're turning in their work. They're enjoying it. That's the one that I felt that I just mentioned. It was successful. And then I have another one that's about, I would say, maybe a seven. So that's not too bad. No, but that's just me being optimistic. It's probably if somebody <laughs> else came in and looked at it. They, if you came in, they'd look at it and go, oh, I think it's more like a three or a four. <laughs> to be real honest. That's, you know, that's fair. You know, this is why grading... Um, writing and stuff like that, like grading essays, it's always hard to do when you know the kids because uh, mm-hmm. you have the backstory, you know, and when we're in the classroom, we give it a little bit more grace when we're talking about it. I would say, <clears throat> I would say mine's pretty similar. I have, I don't know, my, I don't know, You have? do you have three blocks or two? 
Well, I have three blocks, and well, I have an honors class, and then I have uh-huh. two on-level classes, and those are all three blocks. And then I have an honors online class, and I have an on-level uh, online class. And so those are two blocks. So do you have ten classes? Have, you have so you have three in-person blocks and two online blocks. Yes. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. So how many kids do you have? Well, I don't have. Well, my blocks are kind. Of the The online blocks are a little bit small, so I'm more of the overflow. So oh. I have anywhere from five to ten in there. So the the amount of kids I have overall is, I guess, I have about I don't know how many do I have now that you're saying that about seventy eight, <laughs> I guess eighty. Okay. But I mean, you know, I have one class that's got twenty five in it, and that's a face to face. Social distancing there is, I mean, we do our best that we can. I got them spread out all over the room. But right, then I've right. got, then I've got some that are at like 15 and I have another one that's at 20, right at 20. But they go there. It, like you said, it's an ebb and flow because we've had as many, I've had as many as nine out for COVID and those become online kids. But they're not really in my online class. Right, right, right. Yeah, so it's really a hodgepodge. I don't, I don't know what's going and coming. That's why I have our... Oh, my <laughs> like, God. I, you know... So I keep a list of all my COVID kids. I do. I uh, We had... So we had a, a kid... One of my students had uh, COVID, and, you know, when that happens, you know, the, the, the kids around them has to kind of go home or whatever right. for a while, and they all have to quarantine... And everyone was fine. Like, there was nothing bad. The kid, you know, I was in contact with her pretty much the whole time, and she felt, like, kind of, like, tired, really, for, like, a day or two, and then she was fine after that. Um, oh. So it, it was one of those cases. So not nothing nothing to be worried about. But um, it knocked out pretty much, like, half my that block because they were all – I mean, we only have so, uh, so big of classrooms, right? Like, so I have – 26 kids in there, so it, like, knocked them all out, and then I had to be, like, luckily, they were all my uh, really encouraged riders, um, oh. so they were riding, and they were coming in Zoom every day, and I had a little group that would come in, and uh, they would Zoom, and, like, literally just sit on there and kind of wait for me to come over and conference, and so I was kind of a synchronous teacher for a little bit, which was kind of funny. Um, not forced on me, but it was... Mm-hmm. It was interesting to kind of do that, but it, what the sad part was is with those kids out, I had I was left with kind of the the other half of the class that were not they're they're not <laughs> always the self starters, um, mm-hmm. they're the not what I would consider like if I was if someone wanted to see a strong writer, <laughs> most of them were not the ones that I would choose necessarily. They write good stuff, but they're not the, they're not just going to write all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt a lag in my workshop during kind of this two week, right. week and a half time frame, just because a lot of my students were out and, um, motivation was hard to get sometimes, but I did do something. I've been wanting to share this on the podcast for a while. Can I share it with you? Yeah, share it with me. Cause I might need it. So, well, you'd have good. to put it, you'd have to put it in different context. So what we did. Oh, Okay. Uh, well, you'll know why in a second, but the, what, so what I did is I was kind of walking around and I've, I've been Nancy. One thing that Nancy, Atwell talks about in her stuff is getting kids to write for like real publication, right? This Abidos talks about this too, but like actually submitting, submitting your work, you know, making money. Like that's one of like Nancy Atwell's like, uh, her rules for like writing workshop, right. Is like authors write and submit and try to make money off their writing. That's what they do. And I've always tried to kind of simulate that or encourage kids to do that. It's hard to do in middle school because there's, I mean, they're kids. So there's only so many competitions that they can get into in the first place. And, uh, most of them they can't. So I've tried to find ways to encourage them to publish, authentically and putting it up on the wall. You know, I only pick, I pick 10 pieces every six weeks to add to the wall. And I always tell them these are the best representatives of what was written that six weeks for what we were studying. And kids are always interested at the end of the six weeks, like what's going to make it this time and all that other stuff. So they have that, but I was talking to my students and a lot of them were talking about 
uh, they were asking me, it was, it was close to Halloween. They're asking, or not close, it was like two weeks out. And they were asking me if I was going to read a scary story, if we were going to read some scary stories for Halloween. And usually I do. In sixth grade, I used to always read The Telltale Heart out loud. We didn't really study it. I would just read it kind of on Halloween. But I have the same kids I had last year, so I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess I could, but it doesn't really – that's a story that, like, really grips kids the first time they hear it. Right. Um, because, you know, no one, they're not really expecting, you know, a dude to be chopped up and put under the floorboards and everything like that. Right. But um, I was, I just, we, it ended up being a conference that it kind of exploded. I was talking to one, te- one student about this. I was like, yeah, we usually do this, but I don't really want to do it. I was like, I think it'd be cool if you all wrote like horror stories and then we all read them. And then they were all slowly, like they kind of heard what we were talking about. And then I was like, I don't know, would y'all be interested in like a competition? And then they all kind of said yes. And I asked my second block and they said yes. So I was like, sweet. So I drew up like just some competition rules. And I said, these are what your piece is going to get judged on. You can enter or not. You can continue writing whatever piece you want. Or, you know, for this like time frame, you can write a horror story, whatever you want to do, um, and submit it with these guidelines by this time. And we'll read it. So what we did is I got about 10 submissions in two blocks, which I thought was pretty good. Um, they submitted, and then that half day that we had right before Halloween is I basically printed off a packet, and I read each of these out loud to the kids. And they had like a sheet of a ranking, and they ranked it on a couple things. Uh, at the top of my head, it was five rankings. It was how scary was it, how creepy was it, um, how suspenseful was it? Cause I wanted to give them a couple, I wanted to give them a couple ways to get points as a horror story because writing horror is really hard. So yeah. if you can, maybe you can get creepiness, but like, it's not scary, right? Like we had that conversation as a class and then, um, there was one more, but then I also had originality. So even if like the story wasn't scary or creepy at all, or like it didn't it do anything. Original. Yeah. Yeah. It could be original. So I had like two kids write poems, for instance. Um, so they want, they didn't win, but they got, a lot of points on originality, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, and after we read each out loud, students like commented and, Oh, we kept everything anonymous too. So they couldn't judge it based on the name, oh, okay. um, which was a smart decision on my part because the person who won is, uh, a student who, you know, she's kind of seen as, a the, the teacher's pet, so to speak. <laughs> oh, so, so but they didn't, yeah. So if I, you know, if they would have had the name, they probably wouldn't have voted for that story. Right. Um, so we kept it anonymous. We read it out loud. Kids got to vote. It was kind of cool because the kids that wrote, they were kind of like secret agents, right? They kind of like got to sit in and kind of hear what people said about their stories. It was kind of cool. And then I tabulated it and I did three prizes. I did the first prize or third place was like three pieces of candy, like small, like, you know, like Halloween candy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Second place was like a medium bag of chips. Third place was a $10 gift card to Chick-fil-A. Big, big bougie prize. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and they loved it. They really enjoyed it. It got tons of kids writing. And it was really cool because they, they got to vote. And it was just a really authentic process, really fun to do. You know, I'm, I'm notorious for having like nothing to do on half days because I'm not really uh, – cutesy teacher necessarily you know what i mean like i'm not like okay let's do all these games like i just i hate yeah i'm not a game person yeah yeah so this was cool because i got to read um all their stuff out loud they got to experience it and it was authentic but it turned out really well got a lot of kids writing and like i said the the kid who won was super all three were super excited to win um but it was uh this was like something after doing this i was like i think i need to do more like competition so a way to almost encourage writers who are stuck not force them but a way to encourage like hey if you're stuck this competition's going on like what what do you got to lose write something and see like maybe you'll win a gift card maybe or you know whatever the prize is Mm -hmm. and it was it was a cool way to kind of prompt them to do something um but it wasn't forceful but i was like I, i could see myself doing these like every Maybe not once a month, but like maybe every few months, like when a writing workshop is kind of stalling, like, all right, time for a contest, you know? Well, I think that's a great idea. I like it. So they liked it? They loved it. And I think the mm-hmm. the best part that they loved was just 
the writers loved hearing their stuff read out loud and getting judged and stuff like that. Um, but the kids liked it. I mean, it was fun reading stuff and there was even funny like moments because I helped them edit a little bit because it's of my belief that, uh, I have kids edit their stuff and you know, they'll do peer editing and stuff like that, but professional writers can get editors. So why can't I edit a little bit for them? Like help them. Like I didn't change anything they wrote, but you know, like helped a couple run ons, but I didn't, what funny part is, and I didn't, I didn't, uh, I wasn't able to get to a lot of them. So there was like, (laughs) you know, there was funny moments reading stuff out loud where it was just like, there was one line that said something like it was supposed to say, and then the family each went and took a each went and took a shower and went to bed. But it sound, it read like the family went and took a shower and went to bed. It's <laughs> 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 like, not I, what that meant. I, told, I started laughing and the kids were cracking up and I was like, ah, this is a perfect example of why commas are so valuable in writing. So like we even had a little grammar practice uh with it it was funny because you know it wasn't malicious the kid the the kid that wrote that was in the room and they thought it was funny and it was just one of those moments where it was like see this is this is a classic case of grammar is good um because otherwise people might get a different interpretation of your story so i don't know i had a i had a lot of success with it i don't know do you is your brain percolating with ideas yet or well, I mean, you know, I've heard of, I know that you've done this, poetry slams, but I like the contest idea. What if you did, I mean, we've got some poetry coming up. Yeah. What if you did something with poetry or, yeah, I wonder if, could you do a tournament? I just got finished doing a tournament this morning. I Like I had five games today, you know, because I referee volleyball for those who don't know that. But so, you know how they have a bracket, one on each side? And then they, you have them facing off of each, you know, they face off, the teams do. Yep. So they have a bracket down the center. So number one will go with, you know, we'll go uh, against number four. And then number three will go against number five, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. So I'm wondering if you could do something with poetry like that where um, you read it, but then the kids determine, you know, like between the two where they go so like you vote on just those two and then the winner goes to the winner's bracket and the one that didn't was still one but you know not as good as the other goes to a better a different bracket we just call it something different like gold versus silver yeah well i think uh i like the idea of brackets brackets are actually pretty interesting but i think um that would almost be cool to do like during uh march madness i'm not a, a basketball fan so i literally have no idea when march madness it usually is i guess march, march right march <laughs> that's how bad that's how not a basketball fan i am Sometimes the answer is right in front of you. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, usually March, but you know who knows with COVID. I don't think it happened this last time they canceled oh, it. See, maybe that's what threw me off. I'm gonna, that's I'm gonna use that. Oh my god! If there's, it's probably somebody. Yeah, you who's could just like, do that. I, you, you could do that, but I was just thinking that uh, you know, kind of as a tournament, and then they, they get all excited. So it kind of carries out not in just one day, but just. You might have tournament Tuesday. It carries oh. out through a through a six week, so it's like kind of keeps it going a little bit. That's interesting. the hard The hard thing about that is you, having enough because, like, for that horror writing thing, I had like ten, right? Um, oh, okay, that makes well, sense. Just, just because you know, it's. I mean, maybe if this was like hyped up more, and if because uh, the the horror thing was like spontaneous, that was literally something I did I off like the cuff, it. right? And I, I mean, I I drew together the the rules like that day. So uh, maybe if something was let up a little bit more, um, specifically with something like slam, I think that'd be cool. Like the the I love slam. Slam is is literally I use it all the time. Like we did a. Uh, just this last Friday, we did um, a really great slam poem that was really cool, which is a cool lesson uh, I can probably talk about on here, too. But uh, it was – I like that idea. I don't know. That's something that we need to – we need to let that idea 
Percolate. bounce around. Yeah, bounce around a little mm-hmm. bit just because I like it. I would just be interested to see just the managing process to get enough kids to do it to where it's not just a because I, I could by fear that'd be fall. It would fall apart. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it probably could easily or lose steam. Rather, it probably wouldn't fall but apart. Maybe, just lose steam. but maybe you don't want too many people because in a tournament you only have like eight teams. Yeah. So you would just have those, but then see, okay, what if you did this? You kind of have it ready to do that, but then you could do like the way you did it if it didn't work out. But I'm just saying, if you had, you get all the get all the entries, and then from the entries you create a tournament. I don't know if it would work or not, but it would be kind of cool to see. You know, I think it would cause suspense, like yeah. who's gonna, you know, now this this group goes with this. I mean, this this poem goes against this poem, or this story goes against this story, and then they play, if you will, and then the next story. And so you were the one who did all the reading, right? It'd be cool if you had a guest a guest come in and read it. But then what you do is you just read two on a Tuesday. So if you have if you have six entries, right? That's three weeks. That would be more than three weeks because then they have to go against each other again. So they turn it all in and then you just do that every every Tuesday. See, I wonder, you know, this is this is can this isn't connected to a competition, but doing mm-hmm. this and just thinking about it with you right now, I uh part of my uh part of me realizes that like, you know, a lot of kid a lot of kids, a lot of teachers do, you know, like read a, read aloud Fridays and stuff like that and the right. book or first chapter Fridays and stuff. I really mm-hmm. need to up my game in terms of like reading student stuff out loud. Um, and that would be, that would be cool to do because I, you know, I always think of, uh, Don Graves when he talks about like, you know, there's a, to paraphrase him, he says something along the lines of, you know, having kids ride and turn it in, you know, that that's one way to teach them to be a writer. But when you read their stuff in a classroom where literature is usually read, you've just told them that their writing is literature. And that that line is so it's one, it's true, but it's so that's such a keen observation. That's why he's a genius. But like that's that's such an obvious teaching point that we should do more of. Well, and I think I've brought this up before, but, you know, we had that I had that one one student last year. She said, Miss Ochoa, when you read, you know, she wrote me a, a note and she said, when you read um, my piece to everybody. I realized then that I could do this and I want to be a writer when I grow up. So, I mean, I think there is power in reading their work. And I, you know, those are things that I think sometimes we forget what we used to do that was motivating even to us. Right. So we have to keep, you know, kind of go back to the past to help us illuminate our future, so to speak. Sure. And I remember I've done, uh, lessons with student pieces like I'll always ask them in advance but I have Mm -hmm. done whole mini lessons based on a student's writing and Mm -hmm. that I mean what what cooler thing can you do for a kid be like not only is this great but I'm I'm, we're gonna teach it we're gonna talk about it right and then let them kind of be the ear to something and I did that with I've done it I do it every year um I don't do it a lot just because I'm usually looking for specific things but there's there's a lot of stuff that pops up and I'm like this is great. I mean, why why shouldn't I use your words? You know what I mean? Like there's uh-huh. And I you know, to go back to the whole, you know, to wrap back into like just the the topic what we're talking about like I think that stuff helps create motivation naturally is if students get wind that like, oh, like my stuff can make it on the wall or I can make it in this competition or I could win something or I could be used at a mini lesson like kids they, I mean, because you're what you're doing, and all of those things, right? Your competition, game, winning, using it in a mini lesson, all of it sounds nice and whatever. But what we're doing is we're teaching kids that their voice matters. That is the fundamental purpose of stuff like that. And I think that that is the power of the English classroom that just can't be mimicked in any other class, right? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's. It's why what we teach is so powerful. But like if we can teach kids in elementary school, middle school, high school that 
your voice matters and it can be just alongside of all of these other established people. Like just imagine the encouragement that like that stuff that gets wedged in their brain and they might not use it until they're 25, 35. They might use it until they're 18, but it's, it's stuff that stays there that that is, that's a change maker in my opinion. Oh no, I agree with you. And you know, you have theorists and stuff that talk about intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation, you know, to use those terms, but what you're doing is you're really using intrinsic motivation. And they all, I think almost everybody agrees that that's the most powerful motivation. So when it means something like, I mean, we all want our, well, all want to be heard, right? I mean, we want to know that we matter yeah. in this world. You know, um, one of the last things that my husband said to me was, I don't want to be forgotten. I want to be remembered. And I think that's his cry of saying, I, w- I still want to matter even though I'm going to be gone. You know, because he was sick for a while, so we would, but that was one of, I mean, that was like, that was like the last week or so that he said that. So I really think it is important all the way to the end that we matter to somebody. And I think that that what a better way. Yeah. I mean, I, I connect a lot to that because my, I have felt this drive, like a lot of people, I think people that have listened to me, have read Teach Me Teacher, listened to the podcast for any amount of time, like and people who have worked with me definitely like i think i give off and, and to some degree and you you don't got to be harsh to me ocho but i do think i do <laughs> i give off a degree of almost cockiness on certain things um okay. and like an, an overconfidence and stuff like that and a lot of that is it i i really don't believe that it's cockiness and and all of its things i think it comes across like that way but i think i've always had this drive and I'm not 100% where it comes from, and I'm sure we could do a, a psychological examination of me and maybe find <laughs> the source, but... Well, you I know think, I have the answer. <laughs> I think I, I, I think uh, a lot of that in me using my voice and speaking confidently about stuff and being passionate and always wanting to share, it, it isn't like, hey, look at me, look at this cool thing I did. It's, hey, look at me in hopes that my voice, my creation, something I made is valuable to others and, and rises above. Like this goes like, this is beyond like it took me, I made so many things before I had a book published in a podcast that was successful, right? Like I, I wrote tons of books. I wrote short stories. I made tons of, I made tons of like YouTube videos. Like I've, I've been doing stuff for years, right? Like I've been doing it since Mm -hmm. I was a young kid. I did it as a very young child and my, And it wasn't like, I didn't start out like with this, like sense of arrogance that a lot of people subscribe to me. It's, it's my drive to make my voice heard and my drive to make something that people value, um, is, is literally almost everything I think about every single day. Like when I, even like to my teaching, it's, it's, I want every day when I walk to my students, like I want them, if they walk away from my classroom with something useful, whether it be instructional or confidence that I gave them or encouragement, that it, that's what makes me feel like I'm making a difference. And that's, I think that's why I'm addicted to teaching and addicted to this stuff. And, mm-hmm. and, and that I, I feel like a lot of us in teaching, those of us who stay forever, right? Like you, like you're, you're, you're going to be a teacher <laughs> for the rest of your life. Uh, oh, oh, I have, a, I have something. You made me think of something. Go ahead. I well, like for you, for instance, like I think you still do this. I mean, because you could retire. You you've said it before, and like you could be like, I could be out. But I think the reason you're still here is because you understand that every single year you are validating your voice, you're validating your experiences, mm-hmm. your 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 intellect, your knowledge, and what I mean, like that. That's what we're here for. And we can if we can get kids. To value at that level, I mean that's that is the magic. That's the magic. Well, I think so. And uh, oh, if you don't mind me kind of digressing to what you made me think of. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so um, we had a safety check. You know how they do the safety checks, and they come and knock on. You know, and uh, my door was unlocked. By the way, I failed. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> just so you know. But I didn't know that it was locked because the kids are so used to it being locked that they waited at the door and knocked. So anyway, this man comes up to the door and I'm like, oh, I noticed that he was about to open it. You know, I realized the way the door was moving that, you know, 
it wasn't locked. So I, I go over there and I'll be daggum if it wasn't my English teacher from when I was in high school. Wow. Yeah, he was the one doing the safety lock. He was my actual uh, check. He was my actual English teacher. And he goes, my goodness, I would have known it was you that had not had your door locked. (laughs) That is not very nice. But anyway, he was like, so you're still at it. He goes, how long have you been doing this? And I said, well, for 34 years. And he goes, you must really love it. I, I can tell. And so anyway, I said, yeah, and I'm teaching English. So, you know, it was... You know, it was kind of neat. So that was my little throwback. But going back to that era and talking about how it is important that we make a difference and you do get validated. But one of the things that I think is most validating, it really happened to my dad. Uh, Well, it's happened to me several times, but this is just one memory. Uh, My dad was an algebra teacher uh, and a coach, basketball coach. And I mean, he's still, he's retired. But we were, I was with him and he was in Home Depot. I was already teaching at this time, but he was relatively younger and still uh, finishing up his career. But anyway, this man sees us in Home Depot. He comes to him and he goes, coach, coach, uh, I got to show you something. He, and my dad knew exactly who he was and said his name. He wasn't one of his athletes. He was an actual math student. Okay, who struggled because they gave my dad a lot of the kids that struggled because he could motivate them. Uh, he, like you said, I think it's because he listened to them. And right. this is why I know that because the man comes back and he brings his wife and his two children and he says, I want you to know, coach, I made it. You said I could and I did and I made it. And I'm so glad that I'm able to show you that I made it. So, I mean, it's really cool. I mean, so that's the kind of things that we're after. It, it's, it, yeah, the writing and the reading and the workshop and all that are great, but it's within that, it's within that arena that we're actually developing uh, adults who make it in the world and who create their own voice. And I think that's, to me, that's validating for me. So maybe that is why I'm still in it. Because I really feel every year there's somebody I need to, there's somebody that I'm here for. I don't know yeah. who it is. Well, and that I I really do. There's a there there's a a magic to that stuff. So, like for instance, the the student who won, um, the student who won the writing competition, the horror writing competition. Like I said, the, everyone you know, pe- you know, she's like kind of the, the teacher's pet and stuff like that. But that that's not really true. The only reason they call her that is because both of her parents work at the school. Right. So she so she's seen as that. And, you know, in sixth grade, her mom was her math teacher in seventh grade. Her dad's her science teacher. So, like, you know, they, they see it as like this. And what's funny is she's amazing. She's the one who uh, has increased this girl. She's the one that we read her piece not too long ago uh, where I was telling you she wrote about the the red the. Red Flamingo or whatever that piece was called, and then the one the where Charlotte she Charlotte Abbas. No, 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 no. There was it was before. Oh, that. the Red Flamingo. This is the one that did the the poem. Yes. And then she did the Red Flamingo, and then the next one was like really powerful. Yeah, it was and like had a us year all apart. speechless when you read it because she read a lot of. She read over the COVID time. Yes, so I she, do remember. And so naturally she won the, the horror writing competition. It was great. She did suspense. I mean, it was awesome. Um, it wasn't a perfect piece, but she did that. And it was cool because when I was talking about her or when I was talking to her, um, she was super excited. She was like – she found out – she was in quarantine when she found out that she won. So she was super happy about that. And then when I gave her her gift card, you know, it was a $10 Chick-fil-A gift card, I was like, you're, you're now a paid writer. I was like, this is the first time you've earned money for your writing. And she was like, she lit up and she was like, she's like, it is. And I was like, and honestly, you are so good at so many things. You can choose whether to take this and go further because I totally believe you can, or you can totally go on a different way. But I was like, whatever you do, I guarantee you, your words are going to be something that you make money off of, regardless of the profession that you choose to do. And I could, I could tell that like that was wedged in her brain, but like, I want that moment for all of them. Like I want each of them mm-hmm. to have a moment where they realize that like they they can shape their realities. You know, I think a lot of students at our school for a variety of reasons, I think a lot of them really do believe that the circumstances that they have are always the circumstances that they will that they will get and they have no say in that. And 
uh, gratefully, we do live in a country where you can rise up and, and take control. Now, I think it, it's difficult depending on where you're from. And I've seen both sides of that. I was raised upper middle class until my dad lost everything. And then I dropped really quick into lower class. <laughs> and um, I've seen both sides. I know what it's like to have money to do a lot of stuff and then go home after a long day of band practice to no air conditioner and no electricity because we couldn't afford anything. And I had to eat right. hard ramen packets that I had to crunch up and eat like popcorn. Like, like I know the difference, but like I, I want to instill in them that they, they get to choose. Like there's, yeah, you might have harder circumstances and you might have other things to overcome, but if we can give them an experience in classrooms that empowers them to realize that they have a voice and realize that they can shape the world that they want to, to some degree, um, I mean, what other gift could we give them? What other piece of motivation do you need for a workshop? That's what workshop is, right? That's how I think. Right. Of it. No, I do. I think you're, I think you're right. And I think if, if we can help them form their own identity, you know, I think that's really a neat thing and it's our words. We don't know how we feel or believe until we see through the way we read. And then, like you said, I mean, the minute somebody else reads, and I think that's why at the beginning when I talked about that sharing, when those kids were sharing each other's words and then they were like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's cool. You really, you know, and so it's really kind of neat. One kid, the TikTok kid, um, he was like, they were like, you're not going to talk about how it's bad. It's wonderful. And he goes, I don't like it. And I know that y'all, y'all probably don't want to hear my opinion. And then it was funny because one of the other kids says, well, I agree with what you just said. And he goes, well, I'll keep your feedback. <laughs> it was just kind of cute, but it was just kind of a a moment where he was like validated because somebody else, because he felt unvalidated for a second because I couldn't believe he was going to choose that topic yeah. on the bad side of it, you know, but he, he held firm. He said, oh, I'm doing it. I am. And, uh, but somebody else was like, I really think you made a good point. And he was like, oh, Okay. Well, all right then. And you could just see him sitting up a little bit straighter. Yeah. And uh, so it was really kind of neat. Uh, I just really like that when they when they feel validated. I think that's what's important. So I to to kind of get back to this idea of motivation and and how to okay. inspire a waning workshop and probably to put a, a bow on this is you know we've kind of gone left right and and, and these ideas and. I, I think we've we've hit on a couple things, but for you, when you because I here's I, I'm going to say this, and then I want you to kind of so well I'm bouncing all the place. Sorry, pa- my apologies to anyone listening. I'm just trying to gather my thoughts as I'm going. So I in the book Writing Workshop by Ralph Fletcher, right? It's one of the classic mm-hmm. writing workshop books for people who um, listen to this podcast. So I think we name drop at least ten books per episode, so I'm sure we're just hurting your bank account at this point. Um, <laughs> By the way, <laughs> I'm going to leave this part in the podcast. We had someone comment on our Facebook page that we should leave links to all of the books that we mentioned in the description. So we we have to oh, do we, that. We've got some homework. Yeah. So we because we name drop so many things, and some people know the references, and some people don't. That's and a good point. So we now we have to have references because someone asked for it. They said we were doing great, but like, hey, can you please leave links to these books at least? So I was like, okay. So we got to do, can that, do but, that. So on okay. this one. Uh, the Ralph Fletcher's Writing Workshop is a very thin book. I think it's good. It's geared towards elementary, but um, I learned a lot about it as a secondary teacher. Um, mm-hmm. It There's a part of it that I've come to fully believe that happens, which is workshop. You know, if you're fairly versed in getting kids to write and read, it's not that hard to start in the beginning of the year, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get kids reading, get kids stuff like that, and you can get them inspired to write stuff pretty quickly. But then there's a moment. Sometimes it happens the second week of school. Sometimes it happens in November. Sometimes mm-hmm. January, right? Kids lose their initial ideas, right? Especially in writing workshop, they will struggle to come up with ideas for a piece. Um, they'll flounder. The stuff that they've been inspired to write at the beginning doesn't inspire them anymore. 
they're more resistant, not necessarily to the writing itself, but just their ideas because they're dealing with tests and grades. And this year, you know, COVID and everything else, like their mom might be laid off or their dad or I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on mm-hmm. in, in any given day. So the farther you go in a year, what happens is there is like a workshop slump is kind of what I've called it over the years. And I've noticed it where there's times when you know when workshop's cooking. It's when you spend a whole period conferring and talking about pieces and then the bell rings and you had no idea it was coming. Right. And then, when, and then when you're in a workshop slump, you're waiting for that bell to ring because you're like, good Lord, let's just change periods so I can start again. <laughs> Um, and that, that's always a good, when I know, when, (laughs) sorry, when I know, when I know a workshop is struggling is when I'm, I know the time of the day. Like that's my key. When I can when I know what time it is, I'm like, (laughs) oh no, we're not doing good today. And that, that's what I'm, I'm deeply concerned about. And I, that workshop slump. So my first question to you is, do you, have you experienced that? Do you concur that that workshop slump occurs during your workshop at some point in time during the year? Yeah, it does. So what's your, what's your go-to? Cause we've talked about all of these motivation factors and I kind of gave an anecdotal example of how I spiced up some writing with a, with a spontaneous thing. Some people don't have those, uh, that freedom. And sometimes we're just not creative enough. Sometimes the slump is because of us. Sometimes we're just not feeling mm-hmm. the workshop because we have, you know, we're adults, we have life problems, things go on. You know, there's, we just, as much as we love our jobs, you can't show up every day a hundred percent. So for you, you've been doing this so long. How do you overcome those workshop slumps to get, uh, your kids motivated and yourself motivated to get that workshop going? Well, I usually go back to choice. I go back to, sometimes I just ask the kids, what would they like to do? What kinds of things do they like to do? Sometimes that helps. Um, What do I do really? Um, I just keep chugging along (laughs) until they better get with me. No, I don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, really, I, I do. I have been known to, yeah, I try to maybe think about something fun. Uh, sometimes we do where we do collaborative stories. Uh, we might do something where they work together. Uh, we might do kind of something funny. So we've done some things like that. Uh, when I say funny, uh, maybe create a little bit of a a drama or something that they that they can do. What else have I done? Uh, reading wise, uh, might pull out a a good old play and have them all, you know, like change it all up and have the unlikely person be the main character and stuff like that. And we do like a brief play right. where they get up and, you know, we, so I try to change it a little bit. Uh, sometimes I mess up and just drone on. I mean, I, you know, but I think usually when I find out, you know, out of all the things you like, what do you, what would you like to go back to and listen to them? Then mm-hmm. again, that goes back to validating their voice. But sometimes I like to find out what, you know, do a little quick, debrief not a big survey i mean i think they're getting tired of online surveys to be real honest but uh but just a little inquiry you know we're like hey what are out of all the things we've done this year what do you really like to do and you know those kinds of things or what would you like to do you know with that topic you know what kinds of things would you like to do sometimes they don't know what to do so you give them some choices and they can choose. Yeah. Well, and you know what? I kind of go about the same way. You know what I found? And I think this is because I'm such an advocate for Kagan, mm-hmm. um, which I can't oh, really I love lean. Kagan. Yeah. And, I, you know, I can't lean on it too much because a lot of it is, you know, high-fiving and really working together and uh, yeah, and stuff like but that. But they've, so, they've got some real good sound ways of working together though. Well, there, I think the science, I think the reason why you and I both love Kagan and why every educator should is because they're, it's not cutesy. What their stuff is, it's backed by science. It's backed by how kids Mm -hmm. learn. It's, you know, it's backed by actual, uh, you can demonstrate why their stuff works. Right. Um, and so one of the things I've gotten for years from Kagan was, you know, students, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but students crave, novelty 
right? I was about, they, I was thinking that same thing just now. I really was. Yeah. Well, and they 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 crave new, and you know that's what they're for. Like you have to remember, like the the human brain is wired to learn. Like the only reason why mm-hmm. students won't learn is because we're not serving them the way they need to be served. That's why I have a hard time believing in the whole mantra of these kids didn't do this. So I'm going to fail them. It's I've always, I always flip that and go, what did I do to allow them to fail? And that's hard for a lot of people to swallow. Um, and I, you know, there's probably some nuance to that and that's probably a little bit more draconian than I actually hold it. But I think the sentiment is true, which is, what are we doing to allow kids to be bored? What are we doing to allow kids to not be interested in their writing? And I think if you approach it with that, it allow it. And honestly, I, I think some people are resistant to that because it feels like, oh, I'm a bad teacher. I'm blaming myself. On the contrary, I think what it does when I ask that question, it's allowing me to be more creative. It's like, okay, what do I need to do today to get those five kids writing. Okay, sweet. I got them writing. What do I need to do tomorrow to get the next five writing? And, and I, I'm just comfortable with that process because sometimes I do a mini lesson, nothing happens. The kids do it because they're compliant and I'm a fairly good Mm -hmm. teacher. So I have classroom management and, you know, I can get kids to work, um, but it doesn't transfer into their authentic writing and their authentic thinking, which is always my goal. And, but sometimes Sometimes I do a lesson and I immediately know the success because one kids respond to it in a certain way during the lesson. And then I immediately see it in the writing immediately. And it happens that this isn't all the time. Okay. This is like mm-hmm. a, this is like maybe a once a six weeks thing. <laughs> right. Um, maybe, maybe more than that. If I'm really on fire, which happens sometimes, but the one that happened recently was this last Friday. We just finished a unit. We took a test on Wednesday. We went over data on Thursday and looked at, we did some error analysis to kind of correct. My kids killed the test, so we didn't have a lot to error, which was super great. Um, and then Friday, I was like, okay, this is Friday. It's the end of the six weeks. What can I do? A lot of teachers want to lean on something you know, let's read today. Let's just write today and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? I want to do something a little bit more different. So I looked at my, all my notes and I realized that one of the things I kept writing on was students were revealing, they were writing about one thing really good. They had a great main idea and they would go into it, right? They would, they would, their focus was great, especially for seventh graders. And I was like, awesome. What's the next thing I need to teach them overall? And I was like, you know what they're doing? They're revealing what they're talking about too early. They're not giving me the hmm. element of surprise as a reader. And I, I'd, I'd made these notes like over the course, but I didn't think about it until I looked over all my notes, which is why I think I value note taking so much. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a good writer skill, right? Because the, the, what pulls us into great books, for instance, is not when they tell us what's happening at the front of the chapter, but when the author hangs a lantern on an idea and then mm-hmm. they stretch that out, right? In TV, the way they hook us is they promise something that's going to happen, but then they take 45 minutes to tell us a story that finally gets. And then at the end they twist it just enough. And you're like, dang it. Now I got to watch the next episode just to find out. <laughs> right. Like that's, right. that's sounds writer's, like my life. Right. Well, that's writer. <laughs> that's writer's skill. And so, mm-hmm. that can be frustrating. You have to manage that. You can't constantly tease and never give the audience what they want. The the real craft is teasing, giving them what they want, but then surprising them and showing them what they wanted was something different, right? That's that's really next yeah. level. Um, so I wanted to demonstrate this to my students in a in a way that that wasn't that abstract. Like if I would have just told them what I told you, they'd be like, Chastain, I have no idea what you're talking about. So what I found was a poem. People can look this up. It's called Rue. It's a slam poem. And it's kind of dark, so uh, be you know, just know your audience, know your students. But I, it's a, it's a, it's a great poem, and it's it's very small. Like the guy only has a couple thousand views, but it's good because it starts off. Um, he starts off with a line that says something like, "When I." I, I use random facts as coping coping mechanisms. And he says random facts about like the earth to start out. And then he brings up, they talk about a girl 
and how he just met her and all this other stuff. And at first, it kind of it's kind of like a funny poem, but then it's like, oh, it's like romantic. He's just being nice to his girlfriend. But then about halfway through, he goes, but then when you left, when you died in the river, like something like that. Like, oh, and then it, so it shifts immediately. And then he doesn't come out. He implies that she killed herself. Um, but it's not graphic. It sounds far more morbid than it is just talking about it. But he he alludes to that. He doesn't come out and say it. But what he does is halfway through the poem, he leads us on. But then he twists it and shows us what he's really talking about. And it is done so well. And the figurative language is great. He has a line that says something like, when, I, when you died, I went into the my music room and I played the saddest song I could on the piano. But the keys started to feel like bones and I never wanted to have death touch me so close like stuff like that and i was like oh my like it's so it is so good and when i showed my students this the way i preface this is um i don't have the standard off the top of my head but i wanted to oh we were talking about structure and why structure is important and i told them i was like structure is important because if you tell me what you're talking about up front especially if it's something really heartbreaking or really hard for you to talk about you're giving all the good stuff away soon don't do that I was like, as a reader, you're going to pull me in with something that makes me feel relaxed and then twist it. And my students were like, okay. And I said, pay attention to when he changes. When does he reveal what he's really talking about? And man, I knew this was a great lesson because one, they were into the poem because it's good. But immediately I had seven kids in that writing workshop that day writing in a way well when they came they were asking me they're like hey is this a good way to kind of lead into that like how do i stretch this idea out to to not get to this one yet and like they were they were starting to process this concept of leading starting with something else starting with a hook that's not so direct and i think that's such a mature approach to writing that Mm -hmm. because i mean a kid writing is like it's good it, why is it good to be friends? Well, being a friend, you know, and it's like, right. no, don't do the that. The end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It's 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 lead me in and then twist it just enough to make me as a reader interested in what you're writing. And they they were so into it. And that that lesson is one that I'm definitely going to repeat again. And I'm probably going to hone in on uh, the same mm-hmm. way I did write like a pebble last year because it was it just gave them it gave them something concrete but it also inspired them because they could take that with anything they could write mm-hmm. a happy story with that they could write a poem they could write a story that lesson transcended any genre or purpose and that that that's something that doesn't happen all the time i wish it did but it was right. i know that when i show up next week when i go when we in 2 days monday morning um i know there's going to be great writing to talk about because of that lesson and that's that that's my advice for anyone is like, what are your? I I think motivation comes down to knowing your writers and knowing what they need and de- deciding how to show that in a mini lesson that's effective. Well, and you're picking out pieces that are intriguing to them, right? And and you're modeling for them, and I think that's important because I think sometimes a student will be more motivated if they understand the concept behind what they're supposed to do. I think sometimes we tell them go right, but we don't. Okay. We either do one or two things. We don't give them enough to hang their words on, so to speak, or we give them too much. And we tell them that structure has to be a certain way. Oh my God. Uh, I was just thinking that I was like, how quickly mm-hmm. could I have destroyed that slam poem by asking five questions and then explain <laughs> to me why the author did this? Like, <laughs> which I have been guilty of doing and I still do it because we all have, we all have, because you know, I want them to be prepared for what, how they're going to be asked. But at the same time, I think they learn so much more by doing the way you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's so next level. And, and I, I think that a lot of times, either because teachers haven't experienced it themselves or they don't, it's hard to, it's hard to take that step. I mean, it's easier to rely on the formula. It's easier to rely on um, the questions you're talking about. That's easier to do. But a lot of times, like I asked my kids the other day, now we talked about grammar the other day and verbs because I really want them to write in passive, not in passive voice, but in active voice. Well, you got to teach a verb. You got to, you got to teach that. 
right. for them to really understand. And so we were kind of with their informational text. But anyway, all of a sudden, one of the kids raised their hands and said, we've never heard this before, you know? And so I do think they need to be taught. I do. And, um, but at the same time, you give them too much. Like I could have kept going and going. I could tell when they started to glaze over that they weren't interested anymore. So I said, okay, stop. Let's go find all this stuff, you know? So that was one of the things you have to be careful. It really is an art. It is an art. And, uh, but sometimes we give them too much or sometimes we make the assumption, well, my kids can't. You just don't understand my kids. Or, And I, I have to watch that. Like I already shared with you, I already have some that aren't going to be motivated, right? I mean, I don't have a perfect score on your score that you asked me. So what I have to do is, okay, why do I not have that perfect score? Now, if I give them too much, and I, I would, another student asked me the other day, said, Ms. Ochoa, aren't you just supposed to help people? Isn't that what you're paid for? And I said, I'm paying to help them grow up to be productive citizens. I'm not paid to enable. And she goes, oh, that's a good answer, Ms. Ochoa. That was a good answer. But that's really what we are doing. We are helping our students become adults. Well, you know what's funny about that is, so I have a group, I have like a, this group, uh, I have one student in particular that I'm thinking about, but there's more that have done this. So leveling up with my students to the next phase, you know, I've changed how I taught because I know where they're at and I kind of know, and I, my view of my, the way we do middle school in our district and Everyone listening, this is like your mileage may vary, but the way I, I truly see middle school is sixth grade is a great place for kids to have volume of writing and get to love writing. Just enjoy mm-hmm. it. Have fun. It's true. Experiment with genre. Publish, 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 publish. Learn how to edit. Learn how to revise. But mostly just get kids to love writing. Seventh grade. Start tightening it up. Start using writing for more application. Kids are older. They're more aware of their world. Start teaching them how to address the problems that they're starting to be aware of. Start getting them to address the problems that they uh, are dealing with just as growing teenagers and growing mm-hmm. into in, into into that teenage realm of, oh, everything's not pretty. You know, the, the world that I thought existed is not the nice, easy world that I thought. Um, Mm -hmm. and then for us in Texas, mildly lean them in towards, okay, what does it look like to write for an assessment? Because that's something they're, they're, they're held to that standard. So we have to address that eighth grade then becomes take what has been done, polish it even more, get them ready for what they need to do in high school, and then they can decide, you know, if they're going the the big college route, learn how to write really great essays so they get into really great schools, use their voice in that way. If they don't, learn how to use their voice in an authentic way because they still need to write resumes. They still need to use their voice to respond to bosses. They still need to be able to write coherent emails that get them raises and get them uh, all of, all of those, all of those authentic purposes for writing. And I have a student who she's been frustrated with me the last few weeks because she's like, Chastain, I need ideas. And I'm like, well, what's your idea? And I'm, 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 Uh. I'm taking off the training wheels, so to speak. And she's like, Chastain, you're supposed to give me ideas. And I'm like, well, is there any mini lessons that have connected with you? And, you know, she'll, we go through this process over and over again. But she keeps getting She's like, Chastain, you're supposed to give me these ideas. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I was like, I helped you along the way because I wanted to teach you what good ideas were. I was like, you have the skills. I've seen you write. You're one of my best writers in this room. I was like, you need to trust your instincts. And I think that is also the part of the teacher where we we need to give, give, give and support, support, support. But just like anything you're training in, you have to also put in the work. And mm-hmm. that that's a hard balance because it's easy to be like, well, they didn't do the work, so they did, they don't get this, or you know, back to the grades thing. They didn't do this, so they fail. But it's all you know, it's it's a balance. If if we take the training wheels automatically, they're just going to fall over, scrape their knees, and never get on the bike again, right? right? That's true. Yeah. So so we have to like, if I just let my kid, all right, your training wheels are off, bye, and I just let them go, and I close my door and like went inside, but I you know I'm standing there, I'm helping train. 
when they fall, we pick up, we, we, we clean the bruises and we, and we go forward. And that's, that's the balance that you can't, we couldn't tell anyone how to do that on this podcast. It is something you have to feel and learn through mistakes because every t- the hard part is that every kid's different. One kid might be able to run the moment you free them and the other one, like this girl, like she's struggling a little bit without the training wheels I've provided last year. Um, so I'm having to guide, let go, guide, let go, guide, let go. And eventually I fully believe that she's going to get there, but she's different than a lot of other students. So um, I guess for people looking for solid answers at this hour and three minute mark of the podcast is I think motivation is a combination of do kids have a reason to write? Are you providing novelty in what you're reading to encourage them to write? And then are you empowering them enough to use their voice in a way that they don't need you, but at the same time, you're still there if they need help? Would you agree with those things? Yeah, I would I would definitely agree and always keep in mind that all of that involves letting them be heard, letting them know that they have a voice. So that to me, that's the package that wraps all of everything you said is letting their voices be heard. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Craft and Draft podcast. Pam Ochoa and I literally said we're going to do maybe a 40-minute, 45-minute episode. We still hit an hour. It's always going to happen. This is why, the, uh, you know what, free-form conversation. Th- this is how we talk on the phone, by the way, you guys. Like when we're on the phone and we talk <laughs> teaching, it always hits an hour. We, we love what we do, so hopefully you're loving it as much. I love that some of y'all are coming out talking about the podcast on the Facebook page. If you haven't liked Craft and Draft on Facebook, go do so. Um, we haven't got an Instagram going up, but you can follow me on Instagram at Teach Me Teacher Host if you would like. And then from there, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor, like the podcast what subscribe to the podcast on your podcast app leave a review hit that star button it really does help us check out the show share it go through if this is your first time listening to us one thank you for listening to this podcast but two go check out everything else we publish episodes every single friday that way you can kind of get into the zone every weekend and go through it and enjoy your time teaching and planning with us so hopefully this was useful let us know either way ladies and gentlemen know that we are here for you